0: Welcome to Rebel Business. This is episode 28. Uh, I am your host, Mayo Patel. I got my co-host here, Paul Samuel. And uh, as promised, we actually have a guest, so you don't have to just listen to Paul and me. It's uh, Rich Happel, uh, a friend, also a comic as well. And he actually is a comic that has a real career. So uh, we'll touch on that a little bit later. But... Uh, we're gonna we're gonna jump right in. Uh it was an interesting week again. I think every week is gonna be pretty interesting, uh, going forward in twenty twenty four as far as it relates to uh, business headlines. Um I guess if you didn't hear, uh the job number came in pretty high. I think it was uh two hundred sixteen thousand uh new jobs. Is that right, Paul?
1: Yeah, I think that's like the seasonally adjusted number, but uh yeah, it was you know positive news moving in the right direction. Um, Yeah, I
0: mean, the estimate was supposed to be 170000 and it obviously did much higher than that. Um, You know, and this number is important because, you know, as you've been hearing for months and months and months, we've been talking about inflation. Everybody that follows the economy has been talking about inflation, and if you buy anything, you are... Dealing with inflation. So, everybody knows what that word is. The labor market, you know, when it's this robust and it's doing this well, it generally indicates that you wouldn't cut rates. And the big prediction is it's going to be cut like six or seven times. And so, that, 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 that has recently changed. There.
1: Right? Yeah. What was that? That that news has recently changed, right? Once the Fed minutes came out, they they sort of backpedaled on that stance, and people are reading the tea leaves a little bit more. But yeah, I mean, I, to be honest, like I, I guess it's not surprising that once you dive into the the details of uh, the meeting, they were a little bit more cagey, uh, if if you want to use that word, yeah, about you know whether there will be another rate hike. So I think that's been priced in, that there's a higher probability that there will be at least one more rate hike. Uh, and there's more questions as to whether the number of uh, yeah, I, uh, I mean, cuts the la- will be yeah, six or seven. 5%. I
0: mean, we talked about it on the last episode, the last few weeks of the, the year. I think it was like almost like the parents told them they were going to Disneyland and they're actually just going to the lake for the family vacation, right? That, that's, that's kind of what's happened and the excitement went bonkers. And now what? Like you, you, so basically you can't have a tight, tight labor market like we have, and then cut rates. If you do that, you're going to get inflation's just going to come right back. I mean, that that's what's going to happen. So, um, I think we're going to see a lot of this this flip-flopping and pivoting and changing this year and you know I don't think there's some grand conspiracy here you know it's just what it is I mean I think when we look back years from now uh maybe 10 years 15 years I don't know um when people reflect what happened basically starting in 2020 I think the the physical virus ended, let's call it 2022, but its impact on the economy, I think this is going to play out for years. I mean, you don't stuff this much money into the largest economy in the world and then add a cultural shift where people don't go to the office anymore and and expect it to just be – you know, just pivot quickly. So it's just going to be a volatile year. I I, I don't see uh, this whole soft landing. I I see quite a bit of turbulence, Um, you know, and and the opinions that you see online is what's kind of crazy and extreme. Um, And it's going to be something in between. I mean, you go online and it's either it's going to be the Great Depression or, you know, Bitcoin is going to be the new currency. And if you have dollars, you're fucked. That's pretty much what's online. And so, Rich, you're you're in that, you know, that crypto space in the sense that, you know, you guys are kind of servicing that space. Do you hear opinions like that a lot about like, you know, things get really volatile here? Yeah, there's just going to be a whole shift in, in the way currency works and just... The the way commerce works. Do you hear a lot of that? Depends how educated the person is,
2: honestly. Like (laughs) at some of these large institutions, yeah, like because they don't know what this is. Like someone asked me if Bitcoin hired me to like trace it. I was like, what are you talking? Like it's not a company, you know, but they have no idea what they're talking about. So everyone's coming out with these headlines based off false information that they've created in their head.
0: Yeah, and well, that's what it seems like, you know. I I, I see these opinions where, as like yeah, that, you know, some of these things just can't happen in an economy that is twenty five trillion dollars because it's so diversified, you know. And there's other there's other things like I, I I think I don't think people realize how much cash these large companies have on their balance sheets. There's a lot of companies that can't weather this, that are running out of net loss and they're small and that's capitalism. It gets rid of excess in a market and it's, it's ruthless and that's just what it is. But there's some large balance sheets, man. I feel like they can weather this for a couple of years. I don't know. I mean, Paul, do you think that, that there is enough, I guess, foundational strength there that. You, you're not going to have some apocalyptic economic event.
1: For for the large institutions, probably not, right? Like we saw it last year with bank failures. Um, it was very highly concentrated in mid-market SVB signature, right? Like these are not, the, SVB is probably more of a household name here in California, uh, mostly for their focus on the tech sector and supporting uh, private equity backed and venture backed companies, but it's not a household name anywhere else in the country. Um, so yeah, to your point, if you have the balance sheet, if you've got cash reserves, this is not going to be, this is going to be a blip, right? Uh, yeah. Yeah, you're you're going to be able to weather the storm, You lay some people off and restructure business. You're probably not going to be as profitable given that, you know, business demand mm-hmm. is, is waning, consumer demand is waning.
0: I I agree. I think it's where you're going to see trouble. It's downstream where it's like these companies that had valuations based on potential. And I don't think you can weather this. And, you know, I've said it a million times. I just think commercial real estate is bound to have uh, a lot of headlines that are negative this year. I mean, a lot of what we talked about last week seemed to hit the headlines this week about oversupply and, you know, a lot of these things that are very obvious. Um, So I I get when somebody is compassionate about their opinion and, you know, they um, they definitely are expressing that online. But like, I got to tell you, the ones that are associated with (laughs) like crypto and Bitcoin, man, both sides, if, if you even take a side and you try to give like a sober response to somebody that is very pro crypto and they flip out, they actually flip out. They're just like, no, this is what's going to happen. You're a fucking idiot. And it's like, well, explain it to me. Because like Rich's point is is the one that I take. It's like, well, I don't really know this space. So I'm asking you, why do you believe that this thing is going to take over currency and isn't going to just be more like a commodity? And there's no explanation. There's just anger. (laughs) It's just like, you should shut the fuck up. You're, you're like from an old generation, you're an asshole. That's the standard issue response to it. And I was like, I, you know, I'm, I'm not contending that change is, uh, uh, bad. I just, I'm just, what is your thesis behind this? And I rarely get a sober answer. I I don't know. Working in that space, Rich, I mean, do you, do you feel like sometimes people are like irrational about it? Oh, uh, rational about what aspect? Like that, like, you know, the, I guess, um, how prevalent it will become Bitcoin. Like sometimes I'm like, yeah, maybe Bitcoin is the future. I just like, how do you get there? You know, what's the path? But they're just like, no, there will be no U.S. currency. It's, it's going to be worth zero. And if you don't have this, you're screwed. There is like that level of. It, there, there's like a lot of that that I see either online or even talking to people in person. Um, you know, you you're a lot closer to it than than either of us are.
2: Yeah, I mean, most. I mean, if you're knocking on my door, you know what you're talking about. Yeah. For the most part, back in 2021, when everyone was just trying to learn about it, it was a bit different than the conversations I'm having today. Honestly, if you're talking to me about Bitcoin now, like Bitcoin's for boomers. Like no one talks about right. it. If you're a true, like, if crypto's your day job, no one
1: talks about Bitcoin. Really? But so are you, let's start with, like, are you a big believer in cryptocurrency, blockchain technologies? Are you kind of fully bought in? Or where are you in terms of, like, your skepticism and expectations for where it is caught five, ten years from now?
2: Yeah, I mean that, I mean you could write a thesis on, on that question. Uh like it's is Bitcoin money? No. Will money be on blockchain? Yes. Right? Like Bitcoin's not shouldn't be looked at as money USDC, US dollar coin built on Ethereum and other like USDT, US dollar on Tether. Yeah, that's realistically the future. Like that's what right. it's gonna be. But you're not gonna go get a cup of coffee and then charge it to your Bitcoin wallet. That's not going to happen. Got it. So,
1: yeah, so I... why don't you think that that's the case, right? Because that that is what some of the people that are like fully bought in are touting, right? And and I could see the benefit of operating with a, a crypto wallet in lieu of carrying cash, right? I think it's it in many ways makes it more convenient and easier to transact. So why you know why do you not think that that is on the near term uh, horizon, for Bitcoin or for
2: or like for, in for general? any
1: crypto, yeah, just in in general, like why why if you're in the industry, right? Like you're right. uh, kind of deeper into uh, crypto than either Mayhole or I, oh, and yeah, so I don't know anything about it, right? I mean, like I have I don't know a thousand dollars in Bitcoin, which I use to fund you know various online sports. Betting accounts offshore, right? right? But th- but th- like that's the purpose for for me, right? And I get annoyed because if I try to do a bank transaction, it takes like eight days to clear, right? right. But that I can I can use Venmo with my Coinbase. Well, and like I, I I'm using it for a very specific purpose, right? And that's to get money into an account mm-hmm. so I can go place bets. But like a more pervasive use of it, right? There there are the big proponents who are like. Bitcoin is like, I, I, I'm holding the line. I'm not going to speculate on coins. I'm, I'm essentially investing in these as digital assets. And directionally, I just think that, you know, over time, this is going to appreciate value. But they also have a more underlying like mantra behind it, which is, I don't believe that fiat currencies like the U.S. dollar are, you know, stable or uh, safe and secure means of transacting, Mm -hmm. especially like kind of web 3.0. And so I'm going to put all of my eggs into the crypto basket. And, and so those people do believe that boomers and gen X, gen Y, right. Obviously Z and millennial are, are going to adopt this more uh, ubiquitously. Right. And, and 10 years from now, you're not going to go to the ATM, you're just going to replenish a, uh, a wallet and walk around and more retailers and individuals are going to transact that way. It sounds like you're not fully like in that camp. but where you know like where would you say 10 years from now, like what's, what is your position going to be? Are you going to be an investor? Are you going to be like a very active user of crypto? more so than you are today?
2: Oh, 100%. I mean, we're all going to be. And we're also, you're making it sound like we're going to be aware that we're using it. Most of the time, you're not going to be aware, right? I mean, I don't use cash. I'm 30. I don't use cash ever, albeit I did buy two tequila sodas last night with mail, with cash. That's a bit of an outlier. And you want to know, well, you want to know why, because my parents, who are 57, They can't – they don't even use a credit card. Like they need to use cash. Now compare that to like your kids, Paul. Like they're online 24-7. I use like – I use my Apple Pay. I was going to pull it up. Like we don't all know what Apple Pay looks like. I use my Apple Pay for everything. That's what the future of payment is. It's all digital. Yeah. But what's the problem with digital now is it's not the easiest to trace. And I was explaining to Mayho last night, like the whole purpose of USDC, USDT. If I had your wallet, Paul, if I had your wallet address, I could see every single thing you've ever done with Bitcoin, right. the exact second, the exact amount, exactly who you sent it to. That's the purpose. This is just more monitoring.
0: Yeah, and it's it's interesting that you say that because that there, I don't know. I, I I I it seems like part of why some some of the more extreme Bitcoin or whatever crypto positions people take, it's because they're like, Oh, we're being overly monitored and this isn't free markets. And this is like big brother. And I was like, but like, what do you think it's going to look like in the future? Like it's going to be more of that. I was like, that, isn't that the whole point? Like it's, it's the transparency of it. Um, And that's what takes out a lot of the, The transaction costs like on, you know, I don't know, when you're when you're trading assets and stuff, having that blockchain, that ledger, all of that, like the verification, it it would take out a lot of stuff. I can tell you in real estate, Um, a lot of legal fees, you know, title fees, all of these things that are sort of esoteric to real estate, they would probably be taken out. I mean, and it would save time. That's one of the reasons real estate transactions take so long. It's all the verifications, all of that. Like, did these, did, did, you know, like if you were buying a building that had tenants in it, all right, you, you, you literally have to show and verify that, you know, tenant in 18B actually did pay rent January through December. And then this tenant did this and this. It's just a it's a it's a lot and you're just explaining some it's like oh yeah you can just see on one screen that they did and i was like so i see the utility of it transactionally i mean it would just seem like yeah that is the direction we're going to but again i was like i i don't know what that like what that replacing a currency what that really means i was like it doesn't sound like that's exactly what would happen it would just the way we transact would Is going to change it's not that there's a chance it's going to it it will change i mean you know we're an in-between generation and i rarely use cash at this point too i don't i don't use it that much i don't know paul do you use cash i'm I'm a big cash guy you still (laughs) have
1: every digital wallet and i have a little bit of crypto and i'm looking looking to actually kind of expand my investment in cryptocurrencies and digital assets but uh, when I go out of my house, it's more of sort of like in case of emergency, I always want to have a hundred bucks. And usually I want to have like two or 300 bucks on me just in case. Cause you like, it still happens today, right? Systems still fail. You go somewhere and they tell you the credit card machine is out. It doesn't happen often. Um, but, like, I like having a piece of psycho- mind.
0: is You think that's more of a psychological need or a practical need?
1: Well, and then you go, like, you go to a casino, right? Or you go, I go to poker rooms.
0: Different. I mean, just the, <laughs> the idea of going to a casino is, it's that's different. I, I got to say that's
1: different. Yeah, but it, but, it, but it should they, be. Think, think about it this way, right? I, I'm, I'm a nobody, right? So when I go to a casino, I carry $500 in. <laughs> I win or lose, right? And I walk out with an amount that fits in my pocket, right? Very easily. Yeah. But like some of these, these poker rooms, especially in LA, like guys are showing up with 20 grand, 50 grand, a hundred grand. And, and to be honest, most of them just have an account at the, the venue. Right. Yeah, and so this is all being there. It's yeah. They get a market or it's not even always a market. They literally have cash that they brought in a bag and they, they leave, put it in yeah. a safe deposit back that they, yeah, it's like hard, you know, hard collateral. So for that, like crypto is way more uh, important, right? So, like, I don't want to, I don't want to ever be walking around a part of LA with a bag of money, right? Like, if I can just digitally send it to their wallet, there's an audit trail for that, yeah. Right, I mean- and when I lose or win, the the winnings get replenished into my wallet. Like, how, it can't work any better than that.
0: No, it can't. But I mean, I, I, it's like, I am never really carrying that much cash in general, but like, I get it. Like, I think just transactionally, it does make sense. I mean, I, speaking from the real estate side, it would, it would streamline so much stuff. Um, You know, if you've ever sat through a closing for a commercial real estate transaction, it's, it's all day. It's an all day event and sometimes it bleeds into the next day and, you're it's like one of those things where you don't you it has to be right down to the cent and things like like literally okay the lawyers have to be paid for the last minute that they just worked on this and so you can't calculate the final bill until until everyone agrees that okay 303 pm that's it we're closing right now and i mean if you had a crypto coin or whatever i mean i'm, I'm not well versed in this i just think that goes away pretty much immediately all of that like craziness goes away and tedious work that needs to be done um you know tracking everything i i would think i mean i could be wrong about that but like i see the utility of it i just don't see it like There is a there is a cohort of people who think this is going to also like be a wave of cultural change, which I'm like, I don't I don't see that. I don't don't even understand how you can connect those dots as to I'm like, this is just change in transaction. This isn't I mean, we had there were credit cards 70 years ago that sort of evolved and that changed. But did that change our culture? I don't know. Did it? I mean, I don't think so. (laughs) But conceptually
1: credit existed for forever, right? Like that people used to do credit back in, you know, 1600s, right? Like that, that the means by which it was accomplished is different, but concept was the same. This is, this is a fundamental change, right? Like this is a sea change. Is it though?
0: Is it a fundamental change? I don't, I don't know if it, well, look, well, Rich is from a different generation. Do you look at this as like a, fundamental cultural change going towards this way of transacting?
2: No, I think we're already doing it. We're already doing instantaneous payouts and stuff like that. Now, to your point, Mayho, will smart contracts change the way business is conducted? Yeah. you know, A lot of real estate agents are going to be irrelevant. A lot of lawyers are going to be irrelevant. But then you're going to need a lawyer who specializes in smart contracts.
0: So yeah. it's just going to be a shift in what people – well, yeah, I mean it's it's also like, you know, and I'm using real estate because I'm familiar with it, but you know, closings, a real estate closing, which is just, you know, me buying something from you, those used to physically have we'd all be in a conference room together with lawyers on both sides of the table, literally closing at the table. And that has changed. It's all digital now. And and I'm I'm talking as, as recent as Early two thousands, maybe even, maybe even like up to 2010, 2012, These were that's not how it was done. My first deal I ever closed was probably twelve years ago. Um, I that was physical. We were in a conference room doing that. So it does change for sure. I but I I, I don't know. I mean, so I. I Paul what what do you think would be the big change though like cause i don't i don't necessarily think it's going to be that dramatic i mean i cuz i guess it just, i just i went down the rabbit hole looking at this stuff and the people online really are just like yo it's it's going to change everything it's going to change culture it's going to yeah. change this it's going to change that well, and i'm like how
1: but it disintermediates the the, the banks right like i mean it, on on the most basic level every movement of cash today between me and you and Rich, right? Especially if we're, we're moving sums yeah. like internationally, like that's changing hands between banks. It's actually, you know, we're, we're just at the endpoints of that transaction, but it's going through various other institutions. And through that process, there's sort of transaction fees that accumulate within that, right? Now in, in a blockchain, i don't need any of them right they're they're exchanges and and we can have a conversation about like the value and the the Mm nefarious stuff that exchanges have done and and the people behind it but like now if the you know the un and iran want to you know create some smart contract where you know if if proven that they are not developing nuclear arms certain funds are released, right. From Switzerland, U S right. And, uh, NATO countries Mm -hmm. like that, that's possible and it doesn't have to go through this whole web of bank that's a
0: pretty interesting example. I didn't even think about that. Right. Like you can, you can kind of hold somebody's feet to the fire about, you know, clarity of what they're doing with funds. Uh, sources and uses become very clear uh, you know like there's all types of you know there's a lot of ways to cook the books quote unquote you know on on, on a lot of deals you know you, you if you're building a building you get X amount of dollars every month you, you go to the bank and you say this month the bills ran 5 million dollars within that 5 million you know in the 80s you know how many kickbacks were given to like Organized crime and this, that, and paying off—you uh, know—an an examiner, this and that. I guess like that could be eliminated potentially because it, it's it's just like hard to disguise that. So I, you know, that that's actually a pretty interesting example of it that I did not think of. I was thinking more on the transactional level, um, and again, like I'm not like an expert on this. Um, but one one thing I wanted to ask Rich specifically, like, so. You know, stepping back, we probably should have given a little color on Rich's background. But one thing I I always found interesting is like before you even got into this space, like, you know, know, working in the blockchain world, which is when I say that it's it's a pretty broad statement. There's a lot of different roles in, in blockchain, but you were doing something totally different, right? Like you were doing research and then you moved into this more of a business development sales position role. Um, I'm just curious because, like, I'm at ground zero of understanding crypto and, and, and that world. How long did it take you to kind of ramp up, like, going from something that was, you know, not theoretical in in a lot of ways to, to this? Um, I'm not saying that this is theoretical, but it's, it's definitely a very different transition.
2: Yeah, I think I was put in kind of a unique position where I, like— Got into it by being locked in our apartments for six months in New York city. And I was like just doing YouTube rabbit holes and just learning about it that way all by grifters. And I learned a bunch of false information that way. God. Then I get hired by one of, if not the biggest company in crypto and first call I'm on with the biggest bank in the world with the CCO. And he's asking me a bunch of questions. I'm like, Oh, I, I don't, I'm just here to take notes. <laughs> And they're like, oh, no, what do you think the future of that? I'm like, dude, I don't need – like I kind of had to learn right on the spot because yeah. in that second, you now have some very influential people in the finance world now asking this 28-year-old idiot who got hired a week ago because <laughs> they're like, you're the expert. I'm like, no, i I'm not.
0: I watched a bunch of YouTube videos, <laughs> dude. Uh- yeah, I learned a
2: week ago everything I thought I knew was wrong and now I'm here. <laughs> So I'm here kind of learning with you. So it was a very quick learning curve
0: for me. So that's interesting. So let me ask you, if the lockdown didn't happen and there was no pandemic, do you think you would have found your way into this space? No, probably not. I
2: think most people either. You know, I think eventually this still would have been the shift.
0: But uh... you were trying to shift on a sort of, macro level out of research into more of a business development role. So, but like this specific pivot into this specific industry, it, it, you know, the pandemic kind of allowed you to sort of tutor yourself on it.
2: Right. I I knew I wanted to be in software sales and then I, I would have just Googled best software companies to work for. Right. But instead, what I did was I Googled best crypto software. Yeah. And my company kept coming up over and over. And I was like, ah, all right, maybe I'll just cold call everyone that works there until they give me a job. And that's just wow.
0: what it, I, I would have just done that at Salesforce and Databricks. Exactly. But I wanted
2: yeah. to work here.
0: So the uh, the shotgun approach got you the interview?
2: The shotgun approach got me the interview, the job, all my sales prospects, all the deals I've closed. That's just what, yeah.
0: Yeah, it works. I mean, it's.
2: I mean, that's how I got my research job. There were no. I have a degree in exercise science, which is useless. There are. (laughs) So I was like, well, what the hell am I going to do with this? And it just so happened a lab was moving from Duke to Sloan Kettering, specializing in exercise oncology research. I just cold called the guy who runs the lab. I was like, yo. Yeah, yeah. yeah, you're the only person with this degree. <laughs> that... I'm like, I'm the only I'm your only
0: hope, dude. Yeah. You need someone. And he's like, I right, dude, come in for an interview. Well I was when, like, did Sup. You, when did you feel like that degree was just you're like, this isn't gonna this isn't gonna cut it for me? Uh I graduated high school in twenty eleven, so uh
2: then. <laughs> what <laughs> <laughs> You got to realize I'm first generation college. Like my parents had no idea what they're talking about. They're like, well, you're good at science and you like to exercise. So exercise science. And I was like that. I mean, mathematically, that checks out. I do like both of those things. And then I'm at the end of my degree. I'm like, all right, what's next? I like, go, oh, that's useless. You need a master's. And I was like, OK. And I got the master's. I'm like, oh, what's next? They're like, that's useless. You have to be a doctor. I was like, all right, screw this, dude.
0: No, but that yeah, that, that shotgun approach, I think a, a, I think it gets poo-pooed a lot. I think a lot of people are like, oh, yeah, you're not going to – you can't just cold call people and send out resumes and get jobs. That, that's the only way I've gotten every job I've ever gotten. Uh, I've never gotten – I have never got a job based on either two degrees of separation, one degree of – like that's just never happened. It's always been – threw out a lot of resumes and, you know, somebody finally gave me a call. I mean, it's not as like it was a one-to-one ratio. It might've been 50 things I've sent out and, you know, one one company would respond, but I think it still works. Uh, it sucks. It's not a fun, you know, process, but it, it does work. I mean, how, I guess, how far were you into working there where you realized like all this Stuff you saw on YouTube, a lot of it was bullshit. Like immediately, <laughs> like
2: instantaneously.
0: Were Were you at all like worried? Like, oh shit! Like, I really don't like. I'm. I basically don't know what I'm doing. Or was this just such a new space? It doesn't matter because nobody knows what they're doing. The latter, where like. My superiors, I was
2: like, these people are geniuses. Like, I can't do this job. they I'd get on a call with these bigwigs and I'd be like, oh, they have no idea what's going on. Okay, I could take my time and learn this. Got
0: it. I mean, so, Paul, have you ever had a job where, it was like, you knew you were underqualified?
1: Underqualified? Were you, yeah, absolutely. Or you yeah.
0: discovered how – I mean, I know I have. But <laughs> I just didn't know how underqualified I was until, like – The job commenced. And then I was like, wow, I have to ramp up so quickly or they should fire me because I'm not (laughs) going to be able to do any of this stuff.
1: I feel like in finance, though, like as long as you can, as long as you know certain things about yourself, like if you're pretty good at math, um, you might suck at Excel and you may not know how to do like a DCF or any like kind of advanced uh, modeling it's not that complicated, right? And if you do one, you can just keep using that as like your reference for you know yeah, new you models can. for even a different industry, right? You so, as you're not like if you're if you're shitty at math, like you're probably not in the right industry if you're well, going I think into your finance. Your career
0: right? is is over like before it started if you're if that career is to be fine it's right. like dude if you can't make toast without burning it like you can't yeah. work in a kitchen like you can't culinary world is is not gonna really work for you and i think that's finance too i mean i definitely have had jobs i had that job where i was going to asia a ton and i didn't know what i was doing i had no idea <laughs> i had no idea and i remember telling them in the interviews I kind of was trying to allude to it and they were just really just ignoring it because I think it was exactly what they, that you said. They're just like, well, we think you'll figure it out. Um, and you know, eventually I did, but like I was tremendously underqualified for that job. I had no idea.
1: What I was doing. what job was that?
0: That was at GE Capital.
1: Oh, the GE Capital. Okay.
0: Yeah. I, I didn't know what I was doing. I mean, I, it's like, I was good at interviewing, but <laughs> I didn't know that first month or two. I was like, wow, this is, you know, every day I had to learn something. Um, But, you know, I think it's possible. So, you know, there's somebody who's trying to pivot it. You can't pivot into something new without there being that steep learning curve. It's just not it's just not possible. Um, I think even on small levels, it's you never know what. Uh, how something's going to unfold, you know, like, so background on Rich and I, you know, we, we met not through blockchain or real estate. We actually, it was at a horrible open mic. We went to on a very much weekly basis. Um, And, you know, and then through the comedy world, but, you know, it's, we run a show together, which I've mentioned before. uh, And when we started that, it's just a comedy show you know, at a bar that's upstairs, that's underutilized. And you would think that that seems so simple. Like, yeah, just get a stage, get a mic, put the tables wherever. And we've been doing this, what, 18 months. And I would say in that 18 months, there is a problem every time, almost every show it's at, I would say at about an 88% interval that, we walk in at 630, shows at 8, and there's a problem that we have not seen before that has to be solved in the next 90 minutes before the first customer comes. <laughs> did you guys have thing? one? What that, was that?
1: Like a month ago. Did you guys have one a month ago where they like double booked the venue?
0: Oh, yeah, when you we to- were in Vegas. I was I was with Paul when Rich, you <laughs> sent me that text, and I was like, all right, I yeah. Uh, we're screwed. We. What happened was. Uh, wait, what happened? They double booked a room, right?
1: Yeah, you had to refund a bunch of tickets and message everybody that it was canceled, right?
0: Yeah. Yeah, I was setting up the room, and
2: the cook walked upstairs. He's like, "What are you doing here?" And I was like, "What are you talking about? I'm setting up the show." He's like, "You don't have a show tonight." I was like, "Dude, I have a show tonight. Like, stop messing with me." And then the manager walked up. They're like, "Oh no, he messed up a hundred percent." I was like, "God damn." Yeah. But or what about? Last night, where I called the bar at eleven a.m. and I said we have a show, and he said you have a show, and I the said owner. all right,
1: the, the owner. owner.
2: And then uh, we walk up there at six thirty, and they go, "No one's working your show tonight. No yeah. one, no one got booked uh, scheduled."
0: That was yesterday. <laughs> we, you know, we were feeling good because Rich was like, "Yeah, he confirmed." I called them, and this was a, literally eleven oh seven a.m. Yep. And he, he was, I was like, oh, I was totally relieved. I was like, all right, you know, we've had this two, three-week break because of the holidays. Great. The ticket sales were going just fine. And at 6.30. Uh, <laughs> Rich has to go use the restroom. I'm standing out there. And the guy's like, uh, yeah, there's no bartender up here. We didn't think there was a show. And I was like, no, no, no. There must be a mistake because we just called like seven – hours ago. And he told us, yeah, it's a go. He, Rich comes out. I was like, yeah, we don't have a bartender. Um, so, so what did you guys do? Oh, nothing. Uh, somebody, so like (laughs) I said, that the, this is on the second floor. It's an underutilized space. This poor girl who works there was going up and down the stairs
1: with everybody's drink.
0: Okay. With everybody's drinks. Yeah and i mean to her credit she she did as well as you could possibly do in that circumstance but you know my point is anytime you have a new endeavor man like it doesn't matter how simple it might seem and in this case i'm not saying working in finance or going into a blockchain space is simple but like it's always gonna be something it's always gonna be something we learned like there's very little things that we did on the first show that we ran there that we do now still. Almost nothing. Um, down to the way we set up the tables, even. We, we don't even set up the tables the same way. Uh, we don't use the same lighting anymore. We, there's so many different things. So I think it's just normal uh, when you try anything new. Uh, and this is, uh, like I said, this is running, a, you would think running a stand up comedy show is not that complicated. but should
1: not, should not be in my mind, but I don't know all the, you know, minor or minute it, it details. Of...
0: I mean, we, we are hand, handicapped by the venue a little bit. I, I, will, I will say uh, anytime people are saying that the service industry is very hard to get good people, we've witnessed it. I mean, it's 50%. 50% wow. of them are great and the other 50% they're losing you money. Literally losing your business money. That that I yeah. am witnessing. And it maybe it's specific to here, but I don't think so cuz we've seen so much turnover. We saw think, it
1: in Vegas. I don't remember, you know if you remember yeah. that. Yeah, it was the just awful. There
0: sucked. Right? With Food was great. The brand.
1: bartenders bartenders fought I don't know if Rich, yeah. if Mayhew oh, told you that, but they, that was the second we, place. yeah. The second place, first place we went to, we yeah. sat at the bar. They offered to like just seat us at the bar. We should have taken them up. We got our table and didn't get food for forty-five minutes. Um, and then they were super apologetic, and it still took like the meal was like a two and a half hour meal yeah. for three of us right. not ordering anything like like a hotel all that bar. Special. Like no, this is like a restaurant off strip. Uh, and they just sort of flubbed it. And then even after, I, like we called them over to the table and I was like, I don't know how to be nice about this, but you just need to do better. <laughs> you just need to do better. <laughs> like, I feel like I'm yeah. your father yelling at you. That, but that's yeah.
0: exactly what he said. Like Paul yeah. took the approach of <laughs> let me hit your pride. I gave yeah. him the math. I was like, we sat down at 702. I yeah. was like it's 7:53. I haven't had a drink and, yeah. and you know like my And we were here
1: early for the reservation. So like
0: yeah, this doesn't I, make I any might sense. be behaving as if I've had 15 drinks, but I have had none and I'm going to get yeah. more irritable if I don't get one. It's been almost an hour since we've been sitting here. It was it was absurd. Yeah. It was absurd. The food was great. So again, 50% of the experience was was great. The food was awesome, but the service was garbage. And then, then there was the next night I forgot about that. The two bartenders started arguing
1: over who, who, who's like table we were, we're sitting at the bar and we're at like one of the, you know, the busier ends of the bar where they're making all the drinks. And it was a male and female bartender and the 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 man asked the woman like have you taken their order and her response was basically like no you do it and he was like oh uh okay and they started like just kind of getting into it r- literally right in front of our faces like
0: i'm talking it was kind of
1: embarrassing of... for us yeah. like we're we, we've it done it, nothing butter. yeah
0: It was like watching two parents like yell at each other in front of the kids where I was like, all (laughs) right, let's just pretend this isn't happening in front of us um, and try to enjoy the dinner. No, but they were at each other and it was I was like, this is this is terrible. And it was kind of like a high end place, too. I'm like, yes, it's
1: a nice place in the park. MGM."
0: would be better, yeah. but it was uh, it was pretty bad. But yeah, we've kind of experienced it all at this comedy show. Uh, it's been an experience, I have to say. But do, Rich, do you agree? It's at about eighty-seven, eighty-eight percent. Something is going wrong at six <laughs> thirty. Oh, it's a hundred percent that something's
2: going wrong. Do we know how to solve that? Yeah, it's like ninety percent. We usually know how to solve it.
0: Yeah. Okay. Yeah, I'd say ninety percent. I think we've got we've gotten used to something bad happening right or off script happening i think when it used to happen it was a lot more it would it was more of an effect on the central nervous system because keep in mind we have to go do comedy in about half hour after this right so there's that that's the part that sucked it's like we have this operational headache but like oh yeah we also gotta gotta go up there and be funny. go perform yeah yeah and that's the part where i'm like uh that that, that's kind of that that sucks that's Uh, tough but it's what it is um it it beats uh the open mics we were doing before so i will take this headache uh so
1: i have one question about the open mics. so is that like spoken word comedy poetry is it like it's it's just open mic all comedy
0: it's just all comedy, all degenerates, okay. uh, mentally yeah. ill, whoever the fuck you want. Uh, okay. Non-funny, there's that. There's that category. <laughs> comedy is a I'm very sure.
2: loose term.
1: Yeah.
0: It's do you have $5? Yeah. Say what you want into this microphone. <laughs> wow. <laughs> that is open mic. I mean, Here, let's put it this way. There are people who will go to an open mic. First, this will be their first open mic. They'll go in. They'll do exactly what Rich said. They will transact with cash. You will get the cash to the person running it. They'll go up there. They will do five minutes of just something terrible, completely not yeah. funny. And the next thing that they're going to do is go on their Instagram, change the title under their name, and put comic.
2: Yep. Wow. And That's then there's just mental happened. illness. There is a guy. We are, You know Don Rickles. There was of a course. guy, probably around your guy's age, and he went by Ron Dickles, <laughs> and he would go on stage, and he would just go around <laughs> the room, ask you what your ethnicity is, and then say the racial slur of that ethnicity.
1: Oh, my And then he God. just
2: keep going, and he did that <laughs> two times a night for about five years.
0: And, and he wow. said he was
2: a comic. And he, oh, yeah. He's Ron Dickles. What are you talking
0: about? But <laughs> so that's I mean uh, maybe open mics in in other cities are different but the New York open mic scene is I never want to revisit it.
1: But never. who who are the people attending? Like that's that got to be <laughs> Oh, there's no audience. It's just other comics. <laughs> is is that really it? Like there's nobody yes! who just like it's stumbles hard. in and is like, "What is this? Okay, cool. I'll have a drink and Watching people embarrass themselves, no, like, is it literally no, like?
0: There's no, no audience. audience. I mean, there, there might be like up in Harlem. Yeah, there's an audience. Okay. Uh, sometimes at some places outside of New York, I've definitely seen audiences, but I would say almost all of them in New York. There's no audience. The audience is. Don Dickles. I mean, that's, uh, that, that's who's in the audience. That's who you're trying to decide if you're any good at this. These are the people in the audience. It's nuts. Um, it is, Jeez. it is, uh, it is not a group of your peers. No, it, unfortunately it is. I mean, that's un- the problem. I guess you're right. It, it This is, it, that's the comedy world. It's nuts. Um, I, I I, 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 Rich has to like, sometimes I'm baffled on a weekly basis. And I, I text him or I talk to him about, it. I'm like, is this real? Is this person real? Is he, are they really, this, this is the judgment that they're using in their life. And yes, it is. It's, it's shocking to me. And I've learned a lot about uh, how incomprehensible the human species is by being in the world. Of comedy. Um, I have, uh, so I, I guess I, I, can't, I can't knock that. I have learned a lot about humanity and <laughs> that some of it is out of its mind uh, for sure. But anyway, uh, I think we're going to get close to wrapping up. Um, you always wrap up the show the same way. Try to make a guess on box office dollars of a movie that's coming out. Uh, so last week, uh, me and Paul bashed Night Swim. I think too hard. <laughs> it's like a
1: Definitely horror flick
0: that looked awful. I thought it was gonna make two million Paul at less than a million. It made five million on opening night, which was yesterday, and uh it's projected to make twelve and a half over the weekend, which I'm I'm just stunned. I'm stunned that, that it's gonna Crazy. make that. Um so <laughs> we just have not been right on these horror flicks at all. Um but This is an interesting one that's going to premiere next week. Uh, I guess the reboot or adaptation, whatever you want to call it, of Mean Girls. Um, I think it's going to do well. Uh, I don't know if you guys saw the trailer, but I mean, I I think it actually will do pretty well. You know, that Jennifer Lawrence movie Hard Feelings made, I think, 16 million uh, opening weekend. I think this will do a lot better than that. And that, that was considered a kind of a Pretty successful opening weekend.
1: Yeah, this is uh, this is a movie that has a cult like following. There's a Broadway show, uh, Mean Girls, uh, which a believe it or not, I, for this? I've seen half of it. Um, Did you short walk story out? here. Yeah, well, <laughs> so I I wasn't going to walk out, but we brought my daughter, and like it is not kid appropriate. And the the funniest part about it is like there were my daughter was eight but there were girls younger than her. And like, they're using like slut and like tons of bad words and like all sorts of innuendo. And it was like, my wife turns to me and was like, we should go. And I was like, okay, let's go at intermission. But like intermission couldn't come soon enough. It was (laughs) like way, way inappropriate. So we left, but yeah, I mean like Tina Fey is the producer of it. Uh, The first movie did really well. The Broadway show, did surprisingly well so this is going to do well i think it'll do 45 million dollars pretty easily
0: yeah i mean i looked at basically that jennifer lawrence m- movie and i was just going to triple it so i am going to round up to you know 50 i, I think it's going to be 50 million rich you got a you got a guess
2: yeah i didn't know what good or bad was and now you're throwing these numbers out well, ah. so
0: good it, it's it, it's it's like what's so good, good. I, well, what's so, like, like good Good. Well, it kind of it's hard to say because it's like sometimes it's like it's a good number, but the budget was massive, right? You know, like there's been movies that made I forget which. Um, oh, Blackening, right? That that thing made its budget in 48 hours, right? Which is just phenomenal. Uh, so I think I think good if I based on the ones that we've previewed is probably. 20 million bucks like that's right yeah that's that's 2025 that's a really good opening weekend um 15 isn't bad i think anything above 20 unless it's like a massive big budget film which we never yeah
1: disney pixar then it's like expectations are much higher
0: yeah yeah, we really rarely pick those um but these types of movies 15 20 is, is solid uh but i think it's really i think Paul's right. It has a following. So I just think that that brand is going to draw people. So I think it's going to hit 50. 50 is a 50 and 45 are ridiculous numbers, by the way. I don't try to
2: look up budget for what they spent on this. The original one's 17. So let's say probably in that ballpark again. Yeah.
0: I'll say I'm going to be bullish. 67. 67. All right. All right. We'll see. We'll see. We'll uh, find out uh, next weekend, but uh, that's going to be it. That's going to be our episode. Uh, We will catch you next week. Rich, thanks for uh, coming on. And um, hopefully uh, we have a bartender at our next show. (laughs) Don't hold your breath. Thanks everyone.
1: See you. Thanks, Rich.
0: Thanks guys.